Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. So today we're joined by Dr. Charmaine Gregory, and she's a wife, mum, night shift emergency physician, podcaster, author, burnout thriver, public speaker, and a confronter of fear. Hello there. Hello. That's quite a little resume there, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you sleep much? I do. I do. (laughs) Bless you. So do you do all of that at once not all at once but you're like you work night shifts but you're also a speaker and a burnout thriver you do all of this I do all of I do do all of that yes and you're smiling this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) so bless you what's happened in your life what was this positive change that got you to where you are today so um the most recent positive change was experiencing burnout so it it sounds a little Uh anticlimactic perhaps or maybe even <laughs> you know kind of not expected but basically I did not realize that I was going through burnout when I did and this was probably about six years ago now right. and I was in the middle of my career so typically what happens is with us here it might be a little different in the UK I'm not sure but here, what happens is you go to medical school, first you go to four years of college, then you go to four years of medical school, then when you get done, you do something called a residency, which is like an apprenticeship. And right. so you do that to kind of hone where you're going to be placed within medicine. So I did mine in emergency medicine. And so that was three years in addition to the what I mentioned before. And so I got done and I was so excited to be in my field of study finally. And I took a position as an attending physician. So that means that I taught residents as well. So other people who were in apprenticeship type programs in order to get into emergency medicine as their career. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I did that and I was very excited because I wanted to basically be a part of that. I wanted to find my way in the specialty and I just didn't know where I belonged there. I knew I belonged but it's just nowhere because even after you've made one big decision of choosing which place in medicine you're going to be, then there are other decisions after that. Once you're in that place, where within the place are you going to <laughs> reside? Wow. So yeah, so there's that. So as I was exploring where my place was going to be in emergency medicine, I ended up saying yes to a lot of things. Mm. And that was done mainly because I was hoping that by saying yes to a lot of things, it would then allow for me to find my niche. And so, as you can well imagine, young, enthusiastic, <laughs> idealistic, you know, physician in, you know, field that she's super excited about saying yes to everything. So they yeah. said, do you want to work with the medical students? I said, yes. Do you want to be on a committee? I said, yes. Do you want to be, you know, doing things with the residents? I said, yes. Like it was a storm of yeses, literally. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, I, I just didn't know. And which is part of it, right? You, yeah. you want a journey and you take a path and you hope that that path is the right one for you. And so as that was happening, 
so was life because life does not come to a screeching halt as you build your career. Um, because basically what happens is you still have to live, right? You still yeah. have to happen. And so what was, ha- was what's ultimately happening is, so I graduated from, from, from residency that within two weeks, I got married and I moved. <laughs> so I got married, went on the honeymoon, got, we moved to the new city where I was going to be working and started a brand new job, right? So all these things happen <laughs> in a very short space of time. And of course, you know, not every, not every couple, but most couples want to leave a legacy through progeny. <laughs> and so we were trying to have children. It turned out that um, we did end up getting pregnant a couple of years into it, but we ended up losing that baby. So we lost the baby on Mother's Day. And Mm. what does any person who is in emergency medicine do is we take that loss because we deal with loss all the time. Yeah. We take that loss and we tuck it away in the loss compartment of us. Because that is how we deal with the things that we see, the tragedies that we see, the traumas that we experience. And so I basically did with my life what I was doing with my work. And as you can well imagine, that is not a good thing. No, oh, it gave <laughs> me goosebumps. Yeah. It is best to deal with your emotions. It, it really is. But yeah. we are trained as physicians to not do that. Because how would you feel if your doctor came in the room and was bawling? You know, <laughs> that wouldn't <laughs> necessarily uh, engender confidence in that individual because they're showing emotion. Now, you know, there's a whole, uh, we can have a whole conversation about that yeah. and why that is something that is, is valuable and good. But, you know, we were trained not to have that emotion. So that was part of it. So there was life happening. And then subsequently, we did have the blessing of three amazing children. So, you know, yes, we did have that initial loss, but we've had three amazing individuals that we've been blessed with since then. And then the thing, though, that really brought to the forefront that I was having a problem, particularly with my feelings surrounding work and, you know, the things that I was contributing to society, and it was after my third child, I was actually very active during the pregnancy. I literally did crazy things like ran a 5k at 28 weeks. And <laughs> this doesn't I was, surprise me. <laughs> I was crazy. I was just crazy. I was like, why are you doing this? And you know, I did all the stuff. I was pushing up weight bars and doing, you know, exercises up until day before delivery. And I thought everything was fantastic. I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to get the okay from my OB to just go back to working out you know, shortly after she was born. And so he said, yes, six weeks, that's good. And I started and I was very enthusiastic about resuming. And so I started my running season, which she's born in January. Running season started in about May. I literally decided I was going to run a 5K every single month. So I was doing that until about (laughs) July when I had a problem with my right knee and no one could figure it out. No one could figure out what was wrong with my knee. It literally was painful. I got all the scans that you can imagine. I got the MRI. I got the the ultrasounds of my leg to make sure there wasn't a clot. 
I got the, you know, multiple times fluid was drawn off my knee, you know, and throughout this time, it actually took an entire year before a resolution was made on the actual diagnosis. In that time, I lost about half the muscle mass on my right side, my right thigh. I lost the range of motion in my knee, despite physical therapy and all those interventions. And so, you know, you can imagine that, of course, you have someone who is active yeah. and has been active for the majority of their life. And then now they're not as active. And so I got more generous around the middle <laughs> than I would have liked. <laughs> and so I got to, you know, it's getting ready. When this all kind of came to a head was I was getting ready to do a presentation for the resident doctors because as faculty, we have to do this as part of our job. So I was getting ready to do this and I went into the closet and I picked out my favorite suit and I got the suit out and I was very excited. And I literally put one leg in the pant, the other leg in. And then when I got to my hips, somehow my hips decided that they were no longer going to negotiate <laughs> pants over them. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get over my hips. Couldn't get the zipper zipped. Yeah, and let's not even talk about the button, okay? And so now, now we're talking about, okay, the pants don't fit. Well, surely the jacket must. So I, I put the jacket on, you know, put the one sleeve and one sleeve in. All right, bring the lapel together. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, not happening. There is going to be no reunion between the buttonholes and those darn buttons. And, you know, that was my moment. That was, this suit was, was, it was a sign to me that something was very wrong. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know what exactly it was, but I knew something was wrong. And it literally got me on the floor of my closet sobbing, saying, I have got to do something different. This is just not right. And it so happened that we have a, cause we are homeschoolers. And so we have uh, a group of homeschool moms that we kind of hang out with and congregate with. And one of them happened to be also starting a journey where she was trying to recreate herself and she was going to do so through fitness. And so she said, you know what, let's just have an accountability group. Let's just work together. Let's make it happen. And it was starting to focus again, just 30 minutes a day, most days of the week on doing some kind of movement and also focusing on my mindset. So that I think that as my body regained or remembered the mess, the muscle memory returned, yeah. but my mind became a lot stronger and I dedicated time each day to personal development. And it was then that I realized that, wait a minute, you mean it's not normal to <laughs> wake up? Cause I work at night, wake up when the alarm goes off at 10 PM and have to negotiate in your mind to have your body go from recumbent to upright position and then negotiate each and every muscle to literally turn around, put one foot on the ground and then the other, and then take steps towards the bathroom in order to get started. That's not normal. <laughs> it's not normal to sit in your minivan with your hands clutched, white knuckled around the steering wheel, and then having to tell every single last finger and both thumbs Hey, now it's time to go inside the building oh, to wow. do the thing, to serve the people that you made all those sacrifices, all those years in which to build a skill in order to be able to serve. That's not normal. So, you know, so when people say, 
you're a burnout thriver. I am. I am literally yeah. a burnout thriver because I am blessed to be in the category of individuals who recognized it, albeit kind of on the late side, figured out an action plan, which was surreptitious because it basically came through me finding myself in a place physically that I really did not want to be. And then, you know, having the wherewithal to get out of that deep, dark abyss that it is. Because unfortunately, I do have colleagues who were not as fortunate as I was. They did not recognize how deep they were in there. And we have lost them as a consequence. Lost them ultimately to suicide. And mm. on the other side of things, completely walk away with a complete disdain for medicine, which is a tragedy. Both are a tragedy. So that's what people ask me, like, what do you mean you're a burnout thriver? And why are you so smiley? I'm smiling because I am just <laughs> so still grateful. Here. Yeah. I am so grateful because, you know, my alternate story, my narrative could be not told because I could not be here, right? Yeah. yeah. For whatever reason. And so I am just grateful that I'm here and I'm grateful that I've been given a voice to be able to encourage others because burnout is not ubiquitous to, or I should say it is not intrinsic only to medicine because I've talked to colleagues in law, in teaching, in other areas that have experienced a very similar scenario. And, you know, maybe they recognize it, maybe they don't, but, you know, telling our stories of overcoming are really the ways in which we're going to be able to help those within, within our networks and beyond who may be at the tip of the edge of the abyss. Maybe they're falling into it. Maybe they're looking for a rope to be tossed in by someone else to help them to climb out. So that's basically my story. No, it's, it's amazing. It's, you know, it starts off and there's like humorous moments and things like that. But burnout's like such a buzzword, isn't it? It has been for a few years now. And we get it a lot, like even if you work in an office and you said an absolute key thing when you were just saying, yes, yes, yes. And I get why people say yes to others and no to themselves. I really do. Because we're always thriving to have the best life and not miss an opportunity. We're like, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. So I get that. And you're saying about, you know, this burnout, you're on the edge and, you know, like it gets to the point of suicide for some people. But if you're, you know, before that edge point, you said, you said, yes, you were gaining weight, your health was going, but are there recognizable signs of burnout where we can, I don't know, say save people, but maybe the listeners, if they start to come across some of these signs, they can be aware they're having burnout. Because sometimes I think people just say, oh, it's life, it's just work life. Oh, I need to do it for the money. But are there classic signs that say, whoa, you're heading towards a burnout? Oh, absolutely. Right. So one of the first things that happens is you start to isolate yourself. You right. may not realize it because you're, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just focusing on my work. Mm. And what's happening is now you're detaching yourself from the support system. So you may be detaching yourself from other colleagues who right. can support you in your work. So for example, if you're the person, the type of person who is maybe type more type A and you want to be the one doing everything maybe that's not best. Maybe there is, there is a colleague that might be able to accentuate the skill set that you have and the project can be done in even more excellent form than if you did it yourself. So just 
even talking to other people in your sphere will allow for you to have that connection and the support that you need in order to thrive. So that's one. The other thing is you may just have uh, detachment from activities that typically you would do. So you can lose yourself in your career. You certainly can. Medicine is very notorious for this because what happens is you are this wonderful Machiavellian person who is well-rounded, Renaissance, you know, you name it, before yeah. you enter because you need to be in order to get into medical school, right? So you are that person. So you have all these activities, you're in clubs, you're, you're in societies, you are, you have hobbies, but you get into medicine and then it is, you say goodbye to all of those things and you focus in on that one thing. So having a consciousness about the whole of you and not losing yourself into your one task or your one job is one of the ways in which you can avoid getting to that place. And so the things that you will notice is that you think of nothing else but that. Okay. That's all you think about. You're, you're all consumed with that one thing. You don't do things that you enjoy anymore. Maybe you're not getting very good sleep, not for lack of trying, but you're just not. You're not getting restful sleep. You know, these are all things that are actually can be, you know, a sign of depression too, but yes, you know, it's, it's, that's what it's, I was going to say. Yeah, it, yeah. it really does. It, it's because it, really that's kind of what it is. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly, you know, based on the um, DSM guidelines for depression, clinical depression, but there are a lot of factors about the burnout syndrome that are mirroring what you experience when you're depressed. Because yeah. you get withdrawn with depression, you get withdrawn with the burnout syndrome. You cut off your ties, your support with both of those entities. And it is to your detriment usually because now you no longer have, you know, a source of which you can get supported and it's a spiraling. You more isolation, more isolation. And then you find, you, you get into that mindset that there's no solution to the problem. There's no way out which is, you know, a terminal mindset, which we don't want, right? Yeah. So just really, I think the advice that I would give is just to really be mindful. Just, just take a reassessment, even if it's a pause for maybe like 10 or 15 minutes once a week, where you just look at your life and you just say, what are the things that I enjoy doing? How am I how am I going about my purpose and how am I being true to myself? I think even just doing that, you'll have a very great idea of whether or not you are burning out. You, re- you really will. And that's brilliant because you were saying when you got with the other mums, the homeschooling mums, it's like 30 minutes a day of making yes. sure your mindset's matching the body. And you're saying this is 15 minutes a week. You know, they're not great pockets of time are they they're very no. doable i never know if doable is a word charmaine but it's it very is, do- it's word. Is it? yeah it's doable <laughs> <laughs> so because it's all very businessy but surely like mums stay-at-home mums could also be like this because you cut your Absolutely. you know yeah so it's not just business is it it's anyone in life can be you know affected by burnout just because life is always on the go making the money being there for everyone else but yourself so anyone could experience burnout Absolutely. Absolutely. It is very ubiquitous. It does not, it does not discriminate (laughs) class, gender. It does not discriminate. It's very all encompassing. So, (laughs) but the the signs are the same. The The signs signs are the same. Yeah. Yeah, The signs are definitely the same. So 
I've got the word coming in resilience. So is there a way we can, apart from like quitting our day jobs and hoping for a lottery win, you know, <laughs> um, how can we sort of like, I don't, I don't like the word tackle, but how can we confront or avoid burnout? So you're saying that you've got the awareness that you isolate and you detach. It's a bit like depression, but I'm assuming there's a resilience, but you know, what kind of things is it this 15 minutes? Auditing so that's one, that's one avenue. Um, so there are, we can talk a great deal about this, but there are so many different ways in which you can do this. But one, one way is you can approach, you can approach it from um, preparing yourself, per basically equipping yourself with resilience tools. And there are some very simple ones that you can apply even today. And so one such resilience tool is starting to retrain your mind. So one way you can retrain your mind is by waking up in the morning, as soon as you wake up, before you reach for your phone, before you put your feet in your slippers and step on the carpet or the floor, you think of three things that you're grateful for. Okay, just three things that you're grateful for. So every morning when I wake up, I think of three things that I'm grateful for. And then I think of five people that I'm grateful for having in my life. And you can gradually go in more detail with this. So this is a, a process that takes literally seconds, right? Yeah. You wake up, you're like, I'm grateful to have woken up this morning. I am grateful to have a shelter. I'm grateful to have food to eat. Boom, that's three things. I'm grateful for my husband, my, my daughter, my daughter, my son, my mother, my mother-in-law, five people. So you can start with three things and basically gain that muscle, that practice that become a habit. And then you can add in the people. And with the people, you want to add an element of appreciation for why you're grateful for that person. Right. So maybe you don't have five, maybe you have two. So maybe it's, you know, it, maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's a good friend. Why am I grateful for having my mom? Why am I grateful for my spouse? Why am I grateful for my friend? And just that exercise sets the tone for your whole day. You see, you'll start to see a difference in how you look at every single decision that you make, how you look at how you go about your day. Going about your day with a mindset of abundance or a mindset of gratitude leaves no room for negative energy. It leaves no room for you to be feeling isolated because guess what? You're not going to want to. You're going to want to connect with others because you're grateful to have woken up this morning and you're grateful to still have your health and you're grateful that you have whatever it is that you have. So that's a very simple exercise that can be implemented literally today and will be very helpful. The other thing that you can do is you can have a set of affirmations that are pertinent to you. So if there is a particular thing that you are looking to strengthen your mind in that area, so say, for example, I have a fear of public speaking. So that is the thing that I'm constantly working on. So I have a set of mantras that are related to public speaking and my fear. So if your fear is of, um, I don't know, mm, spiders, like my daughter has a fear <laughs> of spiders. So, you know, she can say, you know, I understand that spiders exist in the world. I understand that I am afraid of them. I know that I will not encounter a spider. So whatever it is, like you have to mold it 
around whatever it is that you would like to work on. And the brain is just absolutely phenomenal because what happens is the soundtrack that you play repeatedly, the one that you put on auto replay, that's how you will gain your power. So if you have a soundtrack that comes from a place of pain or a place of weakness, you will be weak. If you have a soundtrack that comes from a place of power and a place of greatness, you will be great. That is just the bottom line because your mind and your mindset are what drive your ability to be the amazing person that you are meant to be. And so if you just do two things in the next couple of weeks, these two things will definitely transform your mindset and transform your perspective. Getting up with a gratitude practice, having mantras that you say that will help to strengthen you. And you can literally put an alarm on your phone that says, hey, Shelly, it's time for you to say that mantra. And, or you can even ask Siri if you're an Apple person. You can be like, Siri, can you remind me to do that? Or Alexa, if you have Amazon. You know, whatever, however you do it, or sticky notes by where you brush your teeth or sticky notes on your computer screen. However you do it, it is just a repetition of that positive affirmation that builds the mindset and increases your intrinsic power. Just amazing. I've got to take you back because you said you have a fear of public speaking. Charmaine, you speak so beautifully, so passionately. You've got like the mannerism, the words, the wisdom, the lot. So Thank how you. do you, I'm just watching you, I'm like, really? <laughs> I believe you've got fear of spiders, but the public speaking is like, oh my God, you're so eloquent. So how do you overcome it? How do you do this beautiful public speaking? So it came from another pivot point where I literally said, I was in a situation where I had to give a talk to the resident doctors. And it's so funny how it always comes back to that, right? <laughs> um, Take note. I, I, Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I realized, man, this is quite an effort in, and not an effort in, you know, creating the talk, the content, and not necessarily an effort in the actual delivery of the talk, but the lead up and the moments before I got on stage, before I started speaking, I realized that there was a ridiculous ritual that was happening. So I would have sleepless nights before. And then when I got to the venue, I literally would have to wear a jacket, could never like wear just a blouse. I had to wear a jacket. And the reason why I had to wear a jacket was because there were two very aggressive uh, rainstorms happening in both my <laughs> armpits, okay? And I did not want to offend anyone by the pool of moisture that was gonna be on my blouse. So I always wear a jacket. And then my heartbeat was just intense. So normally when I'm in good shape, I'm, you know, 50s, 60s. When I'm in moderate shape, I'm right around high 60s, 70 baseline. But we're talking about max effort kind of heart rates, 120s, 130s, 140s. And my heart literally was saying, get me out of this cage. I want to be out. And literally trying to break free and make a run for the hills. And then I had, so that was a physical response. Then I had the mental soundtrack, which was saying, Charmaine, you're going to trip on that wire for the microphone, <laughs> fall flat in your face. You're going to break your face. It's going to be blood everywhere. There's going to be blood on your suit, blood on the audience, blood on the floor. Then you're going to get up and you're going to slip on your own blood. 
going to be horrible. And then you're going to go up to the podium, go to open your mouth and say words, and there's not going to be a sound that will be uttered. <laughs> you're going to click the clicker, and guess what? Not a slide will be shown. So that's, not, that's just not normal. It's just not normal. And I said, you know what? This is not going to work. I have to make something happen differently. And so that was when I decided that I was going to do two very bold things that were going to make me very uncomfortable that will help me to desensitize myself from this fear, the visceral response to the fear, because the fear doesn't go away. The visceral response to the fear. And that was number one, starting the podcast, because the podcast essentially was started because I have a fear of public speaking. And I wanted to share my story, my journey. I also want to talk to other people who were having fear because I figured I couldn't be alone in this. And so <laughs> I figured, hey, there are got to be other people out there who are going to give advice and we can learn from each other. So that was why I started a podcast. And then I decided that the only way to get better at something is to do it more. So I decided to become a public speaker, get on more stages in front of more people and just face it. So... That has taken many forms from doing Facebook lives, which I do very often, to doing Instagram lives, to doing you know, shows, to doing all kinds of things. But it is the constant repetition of putting yourself beyond that circle of comfort that we love and pushing ourselves further beyond that because that's when true growth happens and that's how you end up getting better at something that maybe you're afraid of. Yeah, so I'm actually afraid of doing a Facebook Live. There's too many buttons, <laughs> options. Will I be sideways? I'd have the sources of sweat. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, but I do get it, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I'm like, well, yes. I've, got, I've got a camera on now. It's okay. Yes. But yeah, I do have, you know, fears. It's technology as well. I'm sure my teenager could help me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so are you still a nighttime position? You're still, I am, yes. You are, and you're doing the talking and the, everything. How do you balance it all and not get burnout? So it is fascinating because the fact that I do things outside of medicine are what are saving me from burnout within medicine. Even though it's busy and kind of Even though it's busy. Yes. Yes. It sounds very strange, <laughs> but um, that's what happened. So when I was going through it before, I really did not have a grasp of the things that really brought me joy. And so entrepreneurship, doing these things bring me great joy. And as a consequence of doing these things, I have learned to develop the creative side of me, which I was not tapping into in medicine for obvious reasons. Nobody wants a doctor who's going to be creative under care, right? Let's just follow the standard of care here. So, you know, I wasn't allowed that. And so the fact that I have an avenue to be a creator, it just really helps me to have that part of my brain up and working. And then it transfers to having a different perspective when I go into work uh, in clinically and providing, allows me to provide even better medical care to my patients. So the things that were causing me burnout at work are no longer doing it because I have a way of dealing with that because of my extra activities, because of the other activities. Yeah. Oh, because it just sounds like you've got so much up when he's introducing you. It's just sort of like your wife and a mum and night nighttime practitioner and you do this. And I was sort of thinking, I think I know why she's got burnout, but you actually say it's 
almost like a creative process, like a therapy almost. It is. Because it's such it a is. contrast to medicine. Exactly. And, and, and no one ever, no one who, who does a lot of things does it alone, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't want people to think that, you know, there's some kind of cape flapping behind me or something, because there <laughs> isn't. Um, there is a huge amount of support for my family. That is the cape. You know, that would be the metaphorical cape. But, you know, you, you don't ever do this type of thing alone. Anybody who's successful who tells you they do it alone, they're lying. <laughs> Seriously, because <that's, laughs> it's impossible. So lots of help and lots of support is how it gets done. And doing things in seasons. All the things don't happen at the very same time, because that too would be impossible, because we only have 24 hours in a day. But things do happen in seasons. So you can time block and figure out how you're going to get things done um, in order to make it all fit in. Brilliant. So you've got loads of great advice for us. I mean, the tools and that about the isolation attachment, what to look out for the resilience, but what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Stop thinking about it and do it. Oh, I like that. And who told you that? Yourself. Well, <laughs> well no, 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 no. <laughs> my mom, my mom taught me that. Oh. She, she actually taught me that without even saying those words. She is definitely a lady of action. She may be pressed up against the wall. Things may be completely not in her favor and she will not let that face her. She has, I don't know how she has this innate ability to just be absolutely resilient. She will see a situation. She'll be in a situation where it, it does seem like there are no exit points, but she will create one. She will just do it. She will make it happen. And so that's where I learned that from. And I learned that at a very early age. That's brilliant. It's been fabulous speaking to you. I mean, I've just loved it from the medical point of view, you know, but it's just really practical things that people can do, what to look out for, what to avoid, what to do more of. So how can people find you on social media? So I am on all platforms at, except for Twitter, because somehow I have not merged my Twitter account to be, <laughs> to be mirroring the others, but um, so Twitter, I am C-H-A-R-M as in man, S, F-I, F as in fish, I-T, D-O-C, Charms Fit Doc on Twitter. Everything else, I am Charmaine with a C, H-A-R-M-A-I-N-E, Gregory, G-R-E-G-O-R-Y, M as in man, D as in dog. Fabulous. So that's LinkedIn, uh, you know, IG, Facebook. Fabulous. And I'll add that into the show notes so people can find you that way as well. Charmaine, it's been wonderful. You've made me laugh, made me, you know, just go quiet, which is a rare thing. Um, absolutely fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing your positive change. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I am so honored. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from ShellyFKnight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelly F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelly F. Knight and you've been amazing.